This is Chapter Five of Those Extraordinary Twins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Those Extraordinary Twins by Mark Twain. Chapter Five. Guilt and Innocence Finally Blent. Parentheses. A long and vigorous quarrel follows between the twins, and there is plenty to quarrel about, for Angelo was always seeking truth, and this obliged him to change and improve his religion with frequency, which wearied Luigi, and annoyed him too, for he had to be present at each new enlistment, which placed him in the false position of seeming to endorse and approve his brother's fickleness. Moreover, he had to go to Angelo's prohibition meetings, and he hated them, on the other hand, when it was his week to command the legs, he gave Angelo just cause of complaint, for he took him to circuses and horse-races and fandangos, exposing him to all sorts of censure and criticism. And he drank, too, and whatever he drank went to Angelo's head instead of his own, and made him act disgracefully. When the evening was come, the two attended the freethinkers' meeting, where Angelo was sad and silent then came the bible class and looked upon him coldly finding him in such company then they went to wilson's house and chapter eleven of pudd'nhead wilson follows which tells of the girl seen in tom driscoll's room and closes with the kicking of tom by luigi at the anti-temperance mass meeting of the sons of liberty with the addition of some account of roxy's adventures as a chambermaid on a mississippi boat her exchange of the children had been flippantly and farcically described in an earlier chapter. Close parentheses. Next morning all the town was abuzz with great news. Puddinhead Wilson had a law case. The public astonishment was so great, and the public curiosity so intense, that when the Justice of the Peace opened his court the place was packed with people, and even the windows were full everybody was flushed and perspiring the summer heat was almost unendurable tom driscoll had brought a charge of assault and battery against the twins robert allen was retained by driscoll david wilson by the defense tom his native cheerfulness unannihilated by his back-breaking and bone-bruising passage across the massed heads of the sons of liberty the previous night laughed his little customary laugh and said to wilson i've kept my promise you see i'm throwing my business your way sooner than i was expecting to it's very good of you particularly if you mean to keep it up well i can't tell about that yet but we'll see if i find you deserve it i'll take you under my protection and make your fame and fortune for you i'll try to deserve it tom a jury was sworn in then mr allen said we will detain your honor but a moment with this case it is not one where any doubt of the fact of the assault can enter in these gentlemen the accused kicked my client at the market hall last night they kicked him with violence with extraordinary violence with even unprecedented violence i may say insomuch that he was lifted entirely off his feet and discharged into the midst of the audience we can prove this by four hundred witnesses. We shall call but three. Mr. Harkness will take the stand. Mr. Harkness, being sworn, testified that he was chairman upon the occasion mentioned, that he was close at hand and saw the defendants in this action, kick the plaintiff into the air, and saw him descend among the audience. "'Take the witness,' said Allen. 
Mr. Harkness, said Wilson, you say you saw these gentlemen, my clients, kick the plaintiff. Are you sure? And please remember that you are on oath. Are you perfectly sure that you saw both of them kick him, or only one? Now be careful. A bewildered look began to spread itself over the witness's face. He hesitated, stammered, but got out nothing. His eyes wandered to the twins and fixed themselves there with a vacant gaze. "'Please answer, Mr. Harkness. You are keeping the court waiting. It is a very simple question.' Counsel for the prosecution broke in with impatience. "'Your Honor, the question is an irrelevant triviality. Necessarily, they both kicked him, for they have but the one pair of legs, and both are responsible for them.' Wilson said sarcastically, "'Will Your Honor permit this new witness to be sworn? He seems to possess knowledge which can be of the utmost value just at this moment, knowledge which would at once dispose of what every one must see is a very difficult question in this case. Brother Allen, will you take the stand?' "'Go on with your case,' said Allen petulantly. The audience laughed and got a warning from the court." now mr harkness said wilson insinuatingly we shall have to insist upon an answer to that question i uh, well of course i do not absolutely know but in my opinion never mind your opinion sir answer the question i why i can't answer it that will do mr harkness stand down the audience tittered and the discomfited witness retired in a state of great embarrassment Mr. Wakeman took the stand, and swore that he saw the twins kick the plaintiff off the platform. The defense took the witness. "'Mr. Wakeman, you have sworn that you saw these gentlemen kick the plaintiff. Do I understand you to swear that you saw them both do it?' "'Yes, sir,' with decision. "'How do you know that both did it?' "'Because I saw them do it.' The audience laughed, and got another warning from the court. "'But... By what means do you know that both and not one did it? Well, in the first place, the insult was given to both of them equally, for they were called a pair of scissors. Of course, they would both want to resent it, and so— Wait. You are theorizing now. Stick to facts. Counsel will attend to the arguments. Go on. Well, they both went over there. That I saw. Very good. Go on. And they both kicked him. I swear to it. Mr. Wakeman, was Count Luigi here willing to join the Sons of Liberty last night? Yes, sir, he was. He did join, too, and drank a glass or two of whiskey like a man. Was his brother willing to join? No, sir, he wasn't. He is a teetotaler, and was elected through a mistake. Was he given a glass of whiskey? Yes, sir, but of course that was another mistake, and not intentional. He wouldn't drink it. He set it down. A slight pause, then he added casually and quite simply, "'The plaintiff reached for it and hogged it.' There was a fine outburst of laughter, but as the justice was caught out himself, his reprimand was not very vigorous. Mr. Allen jumped up and exclaimed, "'I protest against these foolish irrelevancies. What have they to do with the case?' Wilson said, "'Calm yourself, brother. It was only an experiment. Now, Mr. Wakeman—' If one of these gentlemen chooses to join an association and the other doesn't, and if one of them enjoys whiskey and the other doesn't, but sets it aside and leaves it unprotected, titter from the audience, 
seems to show that they have independent minds and tastes and preferences and that one of them is able to approve of a thing at the very moment that the other is heartily disapproving of it doesn't it seem so to you certainly it does it's perfectly plain now then it might be i only say it might be that one of these brothers wanted to kick the plaintiff last night and that the other didn't want that humiliating punishment inflicted upon him in that public way and before all those people isn't that possible of course it is it's more than possible i don't believe the blond one would kick anybody it was the other one that silence shouted the plaintiff's counsel and went on with an angry sentence which was lost in the wave of laughter that swept the house that will do mr wakeman said wilson you may stand down the third witness was called he had seen the twins kick the plaintiff mr wilson took the witness mr rogers you say you saw these accused gentlemen kick the plaintiff yes sir both of them yes sir which of them kicked him first why they they both kicked him at the same time are you perfectly sure of that yes sir what makes you sure of it why i stood right behind them and saw them do it how many kicks were delivered only one if two men kick the result should be two kicks shouldn't it why why yes as a rule then what do you think went with the other kick i well the fact is i wasn't thinking of two being necessary this time what do you think now well i i'm sure i don't quite know what to think but i reckon that one of them did half of the kick and the other one did the other half somebody in the crowd sung out it's the first sane thing that any of them has said the audience applauded the judge said silence or i will clear the court mr allen looked pleased but wilson did not seem disturbed he said mr rogers you have favored us with what you think and what you reckon but as thinking and reckoning are not evidence i will now give you a chance to come out with something positive one way or the other and shall require you to produce it i will ask the accused to stand up and repeat the phenomenal kick of last night the twins stood up now mr rogers please stand behind them a voice no stand in front laughter silenced by the court another voice no give tommy another heist laughter sharply rebuked by the court now then mr rogers two kicks shall be delivered one after the other and i give you my word that at least one of the two shall be delivered by one of the twins alone without the slightest assistance from his brother watch sharply for you have got to render a decision without any ifs and ands in it rogers bent himself behind the twins with his palms just above his knees in the modern attitude of the catcher at a baseball match and riveted his eyes on the pair of legs in front of him are you ready mr rogers ready sir the kick was launched have you got that one classified mr rogers let me study a minute sir take as much time as you please let me know when you are ready for as much as a minute rogers pondered with all eyes and a breathless interest fastened upon him then he gave the word ready sir kick the kick that followed was an exact duplicate of the first one now then mr rogers one of those kicks was an individual kick not a mutual one you will now state positively which was the mutual one 
the witness said with a crestfallen look i've got to give it up there ain't any man in the world that could tell t'other from which sir do you still assert that last night's kick was a mutual kick indeed i don't sir that will do mr rogers if my brother allen desires to address the court your honor very well but as far as i am concerned i am ready to let the case be at once delivered into the hands of this intelligent jury without comment mr justice robinson had been in office only two months and in that short time had not had many cases to try of course he had no knowledge of laws and courts except what he had picked up since he came into office he was a sore trouble to the lawyers for his rulings were pretty eccentric sometimes and he stood by them with roman simplicity and fortitude but the people were well satisfied with him for they saw that his intentions were always right that he was entirely impartial and that he usually made up in good sense what he lacked in technique so to speak he now perceived that there was likely to be a miscarriage of justice here and he rose to the occasion wait a moment gentlemen he said it is plain that an assault has been committed it is plain to anybody but the way things are going the guilty will certainly escape conviction i cannot allow this now but your honor said wilson interrupting him earnestly but respectfully you are deciding the case yourself whereas the jury never mind the jury mr wilson the jury will have a chance when there is a reasonable doubt for them to take hold of which there isn't so far there is no doubt whatever that an assault has been committed the attempt to show that both of the accused committed it has failed are they both to escape justice on that account not in this court if i can prevent it it appears to have been a mistake to bring the charge against them as a corporation each should have been charged in his capacity as an individual and but your honor said wilson in fairness to my clients i must insist that inasmuch as the prosecution did not separate the no wrong will be done your clients sir they will be protected also the public and the offended laws mr allen you will amend your pleadings and put one of the accused on trial at a time wilson broke in but your honor this is wholly unprecedented to imperil an accused person by arbitrarily altering and widening the charge against him in order to compass his conviction when the charge as originally brought promises to fail to convict is a thing unheard of before unheard of where in the courts of this or any other state the judge said with dignity i am not acquainted with the customs of other courts and am not concerned to know what they are i am responsible for this court and i cannot conscientiously allow my judgment to be warped and my judicial liberty hampered by trying to conform to the caprices of other courts be they but your honor the oldest and highest courts in europe this court is not run on the european plan mr wilson it is not run on any plan but its own it has a plan of its own and that plan is to find justice for both state and accused no matter what happens to be practice and custom in europe or anywhere else great applause silence it has not been the custom of this court to imitate other courts it has not been the custom of this court to take shelter behind the decisions of other courts and we will not begin now we will do the best we can by the light that god has given us 
and while this court continues to have his approval it will remain indifferent to what other organizations may think of it applause gentlemen i must have order quiet yourselves mr allen you will now proceed against the prisoners one at a time go on with the case allen was not at his ease however after whispering a moment with his client and with one or two other people he rose and said your honor i find it to be reported and believed that the accused are able to act independently in many ways but that this independence does not extend to their legs authority over their legs being vested exclusively in the one brother during a specific term of days and then passing to the other brother for a like term and so on by regular alternation i could call witnesses who would prove that the accused had revealed to them the existence of this extraordinary fact and had also made known which of them was in possession of the legs yesterday and this would of course indicate where the guilt of the assault belongs but as this would be mere hearsay evidence these revelations not having been made under oath never mind about that mr allen it may not all be hearsay we shall see it may at least help to put us on the right track call the witnesses then i will call mr john buckstone who is now present and i beg that mrs patsy cooper may be sent for take the stand mr buckstone buckstone took the oath and then testified that on the previous evening the count angelo capello had protested against going to the hall and had called all present to witness that he was going by compulsion and would not go if he could help himself also that the count luigi had replied sharply that he would go just the same and that he count luigi would see to that himself also that upon count angelo's complaining about being kept on his legs so long count luigi retorted with apparent surprise your legs i like your impudence now we are getting at the kernel of the thing observed the judge with grave and earnest satisfaction it looks as if the count luigi was in possession of the battery at the time of the assault nothing further was elicited from mr buckstone on direct examination mr wilson took the witness mr buckstone about what time was it that that conversation took place toward nine yesterday evening sir did you then proceed directly to the hall yes sir how long did it take you to go there well we walked and as it was from the extreme edge of the town and there was no hurry i judge it took us about twenty minutes maybe a trifle more about what hour was the kick delivered about thirteen minutes and a half to ten admirable you are a pattern witness mr buckstone how did you happen to look at your watch at that particular moment i always do it when i see an assault it's likely i shall be called as a witness and it's a good point to have it would be well if others were as thoughtful was anything said between the conversation at my house and the assault upon the detail which we are now examining into no sir if power over the mutual legs was in the possession of one brother at nine and passed into the possession of the other one during the next thirty or forty minutes do you think you could have detected the change by no means that is all mr buckstone mrs patsy cooper was called the crowd made way for her 
and she came smiling and bowing through the narrow human lane, with Betsy Hale, as escort and support, smiling and bowing in her wake, the audience breaking into welcoming cheers as the old favorites filed along. The judge did not check this kindly demonstration of homage and affection, but let it run its course unrebuked. The old ladies stopped and shook hands with the twins with effusion, then gave the judge a friendly nod, and bustled into the seats provided for them. They immediately began to deliver a volley of eager questions at the friends around them. "'What is this thing for? What is that thing for? Who is that young man that's writing at the desk? Why, I declare it's Jack Bunce. I thought he was sick. Which is the jury? Why, is that the jury? Billy Price and Job Turner and Jack Lounsbury and—well, I never. Now, who would ever a thought—' But they were gently called to order at this point, and asked not to talk in court. Their tongues fell silent, but the radiant interest in their faces remained, and their gratitude for the blessing of a new sensation and a novel experience still beamed undimmed from their eyes. Aunt Patsy stood up and took the oath, and Mr. Allen explained the point in issue, and asked her to go on now in her own way, and throw as much light upon it as she could. She toyed with her reticule a moment or two, as if considering where to begin. Then she said, "Well." the way of it is this. They are Luigi's legs a week at a time, and then they are Angelo's, and he can do whatever he wants to with them. You are making a mistake, Aunt Patsy Cooper, said the judge. You shouldn't state that as a fact, because you don't know it to be a fact. What's the reason I don't? said Aunt Patsy, bridling a little. What is the reason that you do know it? The best in the world, because they told me. That isn't a reason. Well, for the land's sake— "'Betsy Hale, do you hear that?' "'Hear it? I should think so,' said Aunt Betsy, rising and facing the court. "'Why, Judge, I was there and heard it myself. Luigi says to Angelo—no, it was Angelo said it to—come, come, Mrs. Hale, pray, sit down, and—certainly, it's all right. I'm going to sit down presently, but not until I've—but you must sit down. Must? Well, upon my word, if things ain't getting to a pretty pass when—the house broke into laughter.' but was promptly brought to order, and meantime Mr. Allen persuaded the old lady to take her seat. Aunt Patsy continued, "'Yes, they told me that, and I know it's true. They're Luigi's legs this week, but—' "'Ah, they told you that, did they?' said the Justice, with interest. "'Well, no, I don't know that they told me, but that's neither here nor there. I know, without that, that at dinner yesterday—' Angelo was tired as a dog, and yet Luigi wouldn't lend him the legs to go upstairs and take a nap with. Did he ask for them? Let me see. It seems to me, somehow, that—that— that Aunt Betsy, do you remember whether he— Never mind about what Aunt Betsy remembers. She is not a witness. We only want to know what you remember yourself, said the judge. Well, it does seem to me that you are most cantankerously particular about a little thing, Sim Robinson. Why, when I can't remember a thing myself, I always—ah, uh, please go on. Now, how can she when you keep fussing at her all the time? said Aunt Betsy. Why, with a person pecking at me that way, I should get that fuzzled and fuddled that— She was on her feet again, but Alan coaxed her into her seat once more, while the court squelched the mirth of the house. Then the judge said, Madam, do you know—do you— absolutely no, independently of anything these gentlemen have told you, 
that the power over their legs passes from the one to the other regularly every week regularly bless your heart regularly ain't any name for the exactness of it all the big cities in europe used to set the clocks by it laughter suppressed by the court how do you know that is the question please answer it plainly and squarely don't you talk to me like that sim robinson i won't have it how do i know indeed how do you know what you know because somebody told you you didn't invent it out of your own head did you why these twins are the truthfulest people in the world and i don't think it becomes you to sit up there and throw slurs at them when they haven't been doing anything to you and they are orphans besides both of them all but aunt betsy was up again now and both old ladies were talking at once and with all their might but as the house was weltering in a storm of laughter and the judge was hammering his desk with an iron paperweight, one could only see them talk not hear them at last when quiet was restored the court said let the ladies retire but your honor i have the right in the interest of my clients to cross-exam you'll not need to exercise it mr wilson the evidence is thrown out thrown out said aunt patsy ruffled and what's it thrown out for i'd like to know and so would i patsy cooper it seems to me that if we can save these poor persecuted strangers it is our bounden duty to stand up here and talk for them till there 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 do sit down it cost some trouble and a good deal of coaxing but they were got into their seats at last the trial was soon ended now the twins themselves became witnesses in their own defense they established the fact upon oath that the leg power passed from one to the other every saturday night at twelve o'clock sharp but on cross-examination their counsel would not allow them to tell whose week of power the current week was the judge insisted upon their answering and proposed to compel them but even the prosecution took fright and came to the rescue then and helped stay the sturdy jurist's revolutionary hand so the case had to go to the jury with that important point hanging in the air they were out an hour and brought in this verdict we the jury do find one that an assault was committed as charged two that it was committed by one of the persons accused he having been seen to do it by several credible witnesses three but that his identity is so merged in his brother's that we have not been able to tell which was him we cannot convict both for only one is guilty we cannot acquit both for only one is innocent our verdict is that justice has been defeated by the dispensation of god and asked to be discharged from further duty this was read aloud in court and brought out a burst of hearty applause the old ladies made a spring at the twins to shake and congratulate but were gently disengaged by mr wilson and softly crowded back into their places the judge rose in his little tribune laid aside his silver-bowed spectacles roached his gray hair up with his fingers and said with dignity and solemnity and even with a certain pathos in all my experience on the bench i have not seen justice bow her head in shame in this court until this day you little realize what far-reaching harm has just been wrought here under the fickle forms of law imitation is the bane of courts i thank god that this one is free from the contamination of that vice and in no long time 
you will see the fatal work of this hour seized upon by profligate so-called guardians of justice in all the wide circumstance of this planet and perpetuated in their pernicious decisions i wash my hands of this iniquity i would have compelled these culprits to expose their guilt but support failed me where i had most right to expect aid and encouragement and i was confronted by a law made in the interest of crime which protects the criminal from testifying against himself yet i had precedents of my own whereby i had set aside that law on two different occasions and thus succeeded in convicting criminals to whose crimes there were no witnesses but themselves what have you accomplished this day do you realize it you have set adrift unadmonished in this community two men endowed with an awful and mysterious gift a hidden and grisly power for evil a power by which each in his turn may commit crime after crime of the most heinous character and no man be able to tell which is the guilty or which the innocent party in any case of them all look to your homes look to your property look to your lives for you have need prisoners at the bar stand up through suppression of evidence a jury of your our countrymen have been obliged to deliver a verdict concerning your case which stinks to heaven with the rankness of its injustice by its terms you the guilty one go free with the innocent depart in peace and come no more the costs devolve upon the outraged plaintiff another iniquity the court stands dissolved almost everybody crowded forward to overwhelm the twins and their counsel with congratulations but presently the two old aunties dug the duplicates out and bore them away in triumph through the hurrahing crowd while lots of new friends carried pudd'nhead wilson off tavernward to feast him and wet down his great and victorious entry into the legal arena to wilson so long familiar with neglect and depreciation this strange new incense of popularity and admiration was as a fragrance blown from the fields of paradise a happy man was wilson End of chapter five